Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Shocking story today is, of course, the report that is out in relation to the mother and baby homes. Children's Minister Catherine Zappone has said the State Commission has found no physical evidence or documentary evidence of systematic burials at Bespera, but considers that it is highly likely that burials took place. And speaking at a press conference to mark the publication of the fifth interim report, which I have here in front of me, by the Commission of Investigation into Mother and Baby Homes, Dr. Zappone said many people would be disappointed by the lack of answers to many questions they might have, and the Commission did not consider it feasible to... Uh, excavate the full 60 acres involved, let alone the rest of the 200 acre estate on which there has been extensive building work since, of course, the institution closed. In relation to Tume, the Commission found that it is clear that many of the children who died in Tume are buried in underground chambers. And what I'm going to do is, just before I come to some, talk to some people in relation to this, I want to read a bit of the report, from the report, to give you some kind of sense and depth of the reality of what actually happened all those years ago. And it says, um, in light of the great deal of inaccurate um, commentary about the tomb site, the Commission considers it important to emphasise uh, what, what it has established and what has not been established. The memorial garden site contains human remains, which date from the period of the operation of the tomb children's home. So it is likely that a large number of children who died in the tomb home are actually buried there. The human remains found by the Commission are not in a sewage tank, but in a secondary structure with 20 chambers, which was built uh, within the decommissioned large, larger sewage tank. It's quite shocking reading, isn't it? Imagine these young babies. It has been established that all of the children who died in Tume's children's home are buried in this chamber structure. There is some evidence that there are, or there may be burials in other parts of what were the grounds of the home. And it seems clear that relatively extensive work and, and uh, construction was conducted in and around the site of the children's home. Uh, the Commission thinks it is possible that the reworking of old sewage tank and the construction of the secondary uh, structure described above may have occurred at this particular time. If this is so, then the human remains found in the chambers are likely to date from 1937. All of the residents of the tomb uh, were uh, the responsibility of Galway and Mayo County Councils and local authorities in Galway County Council had a particular responsibility to the owner of the institution. In other words, they believe they're partly responsible for what went on there. The sisters of the Bon Secure who ran the tomb home were unable to provide any information about the burials there. Of course, they weren't able to provide any information because they just don't give information. Stay silent, of course. The Commission is surprised by the lack of knowledge about the burials or their lack of knowledge about the burials and the Galway County Council members and staff must have known something about the manner of the burials in the home as part of this operation. Now, that is, and there's a lot more to that report, by the way. I'm just reading out part of it in relation to Tume, all right? There's a lot more to the report. If you want to go online, you can read the report yourself. It is absolutely, it's really dark reading. And it makes me even quite emotional because I was born, as you know, in a mother and baby home. And to think of what went on in Tume and those mothers and their babies who maybe were suffering from malnutrition, maybe needed medical care, in some cases maybe miscarried, um, and those babies were taken from them, um, sick and dying and died, and were literally dumped underneath the home. It's absolutely shocking. And to know that according to the Commission, the County Council at the time, Galway County Council, members of staff, must have known something about what was going on, but did nothing to stop it, is absolutely, it's unquestionable. And it's disgusting. 
Uh, on the line is Paul Redmond, who's the chairperson of the Mother and Baby uh, Coalition. Good afternoon to you, Paul. How are you, Niall? How are you doing? What a shocking report, Paul. Now, this is only the in- one of the interim reports. This is not a full report yet, but it clearly outlines what we already knew about Tume, uh, which some people had denied, but it clearly outlines that, yes, there are bodies buried there. Yes, they may not be exactly where we thought they were, but they're in another area, which was also part of the septic tank or this particular tank or waste disposal area. What was your first reaction to this report? Um... Well, not a huge amount of shock about the numbers. Um, like I published a book this time last year, and I, I'm relieved actually that I got most of the numbers almost exactly right. Uh, what what shock- is the exact number now? I mean, there has been numerous estimates, but what what do you believe the exact number probably is, or in and around anyway? Uh, for all of the homes, yeah, I, I personally believe it's at least six thousand. Right, okay. um, and, and what what this report says today is uh, that Shanross Abbey is one thousand. Uh, it's a, the report's a bit confusing, but it looks like Bessborough will be about 1,350, including 550 who were in St. Uh, St. Finbar's. Uh, the figure for Tume has actually gone up to 973. Uh, in, in, that's 802 in Tume and another 171 outside of Tume in, say, for example, local hospitals where they were sent because they were dying and they died in the local hospital so their deaths were registered there rather than in the home itself. It's 802 confirmed now in the home itself. Uh, and yet there, there's not an estimate for St. Patrick's where you were born and, and I, I which was actually the biggest day. I think wasn't it that, that one, yeah. I think 25,000 women went through it was a figure somewhere around that yeah well I actually put the figure somewhere around um, I know where that figure came from that's the total number including babies around 12,500 women well, okay. um, but, but there's something funny about the report today in that it says that St. Patrick started operating as a mother and baby home in, 19, in May 1919. Um, but yet, I, I have a, a government official at a, com, at, an, at a committee, and this is on the Dáil record, uh, that they have birth records going back to 1900 for St. Patrick. So there's something not quite right there for, about this report today. Mm. But um, it, it says it's not going to give a final figure for St. Patrick's until... Um, so, so what do we believe happened to these children? Many of these children, some, some may have been miscarried because some weren't full-term babies, right? But there was also those, would have been neglect, it would have been medical conditions that could have been resolved if there had been proper medical care. Was it malnutrition? Um, you know, some children obviously had genuine, you know, obviously when I say deaths, you know, they died stillbirths or whatever it happened to be. So what, what do we believe is the majority of cases here? Uh, well, certainly from, from the foundation of the stage in 22 up to 1945, when the majority of the deaths actually occurred, I use the phrase neglected to death. And it, it was just, uh, uh, for example, you're talking about somewhere like St. Patrick's, where you and I were, were both in, um, as a 150-bed maternity hospital. That has been run without doctors or nurses. But I, I, I got a little note. I asked under Freedom of Information for any information they had on me going back about three years yeah. ago, and I got three bits of paper. And, yeah. and on one of those bits of paper, it said that I was, uh, I think I spent six months in St. Kevin's. So uh, I think that was an adjoining kind of hospital section that they had onto the, the, the home. I'm not too yeah. sure. No, that was actually St. James's. So St. James's, okay. St. James's Hospital now. That was originally uh, where the South Dublin Workhouse Union was. Right. And their hospital was called St. Kevin's, and it later became St. James's. So you you would have been transferred up to there for six months. You must have been in serious danger at some point there. I I think I was. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people might be saying it's an awful shame they didn't leave him there. But, yeah. but, 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 Paul, but Paul, I mean, look, this is for many women uh, across this country who spent time in these homes, many of those women still alive, quite elderly probably now in their 70s and 80s. It must be devastating to hear these stories because it brings it all back to them again. It does, and I know many of those women. I, I've uh, assisted with the foundation of a number of groups, particularly the Castle Pollard groups, and I, I know literally dozens of mothers. And I know every time this blows up in the media, they all get upset, although they are all relieved the truth is coming out. That, that well, is and, and, and what's going to see? So what's the next step? So the truth is coming out, which is more or less what we knew anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's no evacuation of the sites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but what I mean, what more can come out, and what can be done about it then? When when all this truth does come out, what, how can we address the situation? How can what can Catherine Zappone do then? Well, uh, the first thing that needs to be done is, is this: living survivors must be prioritised, particularly the elderly in our community, as you just said. Um, Though our mothers were virtual slaves in these places, they worked on farms, yeah, I know. Yeah. this, that, the other, and they, for, if nothing else, they deserve their wages. Oh, well, I, I know my, my biological mother told me she was sent on a daily basis up to Fibsborough Church to clean the church uh, on a regular basis. That was her job. She was a cleaner yeah. in the church and then she'd be brought back again. So that was, that was kind of her job. Yeah, which was nonsense because the state were paying for her care in St. Patrick's. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, all the women that I know were, were, were basically used as free slave labor by the nuns. But I, I mean, I, I, what's needed here is an immediate redress package, particularly for the elderly survivors, uh, with medical cards and with everything that goes with that. And is there a suggestion here that they're, they're stalling almost in this? The government are kicking this down the road constantly all the time in the hope, and this sounds, I suppose, quite morbid, but in the hope that many of those women will pass away and they won't have to pay out as much money. Precisely, and they already have. I'll give you a perfect example. The Irish First Mothers Group was formed about five years ago, and two of the three women who founded it have died in the, in the last five years. Well, just because of their age, just because they're getting older. Yeah, exactly. And that is replicated. I, I know several mothers who've passed away over the last five years, because it's five years next month since the Tube 800 story broke, and we were promised action by the government. It doesn't today. seem like five years, does it? It is five years. It was May the 25th, 2014, at the front page of the Alison O'Reilly carried the story, and, 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 exactly. and this was Catherine Corliss's uh, discovery, of course, at the yeah. time. Uh, we did actually try to get Catherine to come on the show today, but unfortunately she's unwell at the moment, so we wish her the best speedy recovery. Um, but in saying that, so the next step is, I suppose, well, how many more reports have to come? I mean, if this is the fifth, how many, how many more have to come? Well, hopefully this will be the last, but the, the, the final report is due uh, next February. But then it was due this February, and it was due the February before. We were promised a three-year report. Um, and, and now it's taken five years and, and the people have completely lost faith in Zappone and, and Judge Murphy who's running this inquiry because every time we get close it's just kicked the, kicked the can down the road for another year and it, it does start to feel like it, it is I, I'm not to use the word conspiracy but it does feel like the, the, the government had no sense of urgency here whatsoever It's a stall tactic, yes, I, mean, I get that Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what's, what's particularly sickening here is if you go back to the, to the 1990s when the revelations about industrial schools came out, Bertie Hearn apologised and set up a redress scheme and an inquiry at the same time. But that inquiry didn't report, I think it was 2009 the, the Ryan report came out, but the redress was set up in 2002. So there was nothing 
stopping Zapone and Leo Varadkar from setting, setting up, up the redress the, now because well, because we know what the end result is going to be anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not like there isn't a clue in the, in the previous reports that we brought out and that are already available to us and the evidence that's already available. We've established the situation. We've established what went on in the homes. We have anecdotal stories. We've personal, you know, stories. We've history there, you know, and we've written reports. So we know what went on. So I can't understand why the redress is not just set up now and then we can work on it sure afterwards when the report comes out fully. Precisely. Uh, and I mean, we, we've been saying that for years and years and demanding a public inquiry and demanding immediate and acknowledgement, apology and redress for an elderly and dying survivor community. And it's just not happening. And it, it is a deny till they die policy, unofficial policy by the government. And Zappone is the, is the person out front promoting that policy and stalling every inch of the way. And how far uh, should that redress extend to? I mean, I somebody text in here, should the redress, for example, extend to the children who were born in mother and baby homes. How far should the, the redress extend to? Well, it, it should go on a case-by-case basis, but, uh, I mean, it, there are plenty of people uh, who were born in the homes who spent the first two, three, and four years of their lives in the homes, and their, their health has been damaged to this day by, by the, the, the lack of medical treatment and the poor diet in the homes. Um, and, and the disciplinarian nuns who... who you can imagine for for yourself what they were like to, to young babies at the time. Um, so I don't see there should be any particular limits to this. Um, okay. All okay. the company, children have already been approved for redress here uh, from all right. the homes. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. I appreciate it, Peter. Our push to say Paul Redmond, who's of the Coalition of Mother and Baby Home Survivors. And I did read out some of that report for you, and it's quite deep and quite dark to read, and it's quite horrible, actually, and it's quite emotional, particularly if you, like myself, if you've been born in a mother and baby homes, to know that these young children were, many of them, neglected and allowed to die, not giving them medical care they possibly needed at the time, and were buried unsanctimoniously under this particular home. Also, the line I have, Finton Dunn, who's a spokesperson for the Irish First Mothers, and just to I mentioned as well that we did speak uh, going back a couple of years ago to Cathy McMahon, who was the founder of the group, but sadly she passed away last year. Uh, Finton, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, and uh, thanks very much for inviting me on. Uh, Finton, uh, the report, have you read the report yourself, or have you managed to get through it yet? I, I have read the report, yes. Uh, spe- speed read it, as they say. Yeah. We only got it this morning, and that's one of the points. And what, what's it's your immediate reaction to it? Um, I think the mothers are very disappointed. That's been the reaction from them all. Mm. Because uh, it seems as if this has turned into a farce now. The inquiry has essentially run into the ground now down in Desborough, uh, saying that there are 900 infants in Desborough who can't be fully accounted for. And they've asked the nuns about these infants, and the nuns say they don't know where they are. Yeah, they, may, so they mentioned, I'm, re- I'm reading a bit from the report here, it says more than 900 children died in Bespera or in a hospital after being transferred from Bespera. Despite very extensive inquiries and searches, the Commission has been uh, able to establish the burial place of only 54 or 64 of the children. Yeah. So here we are now, this many years into this Commission of Investigation. We still have only done ground surveys at one location, which is Tum, and now ongoing at Shanross Abbey, and none planned for Bespera. Of course, doing a ground survey in Ireland, Besborough would resolve the issue of where the babies are. Mm-hmm. Tony Maguire, who is a forensic archaeologist from Northern Ireland, who's worked in Newtown Cemetery identifying remains, and as a consultant to many religious orders investigating these matters properly, she says she has a pretty good idea where the babies are down in Besborough, and uh, a geophysical survey would help to solidify that and give us a good indication. Now, why hasn't that been done? Why are we just saying, oh, the nuns say they don't know where they are? 
And well, I, I, from what I remember, there's there's only two of the nuns uh, are still alive. Is it only two or two two or three that are still alive? Yeah. Um, well, but I'm but I'm sure there are many others who would be aware of what went on. And there are others. I have I have good reason to believe that there is an individual who has direct personal knowledge of where infants are buried in Besborough, and also in the Sunday Mirror. Sylvia Pownell a couple of weeks ago ran an exclusive where a caretaker described infants being handed out through a window at night for burial at night. Well, you just so, mentioning that as well, know, by the way. If, if anybody has any information, the Commission are calling for people to come forward if they have information. But they also mentioned in, rela- in relation to Toome, for example, that Galway County Council members and staff must have known something about the manner of the burials. So in other words, and I can assume the same would go for Cork and everywhere else, that the, the local county councillors are those that were paying uh, the nuns per head to look after these individuals, these baby factories, as I call them. They must have had some indication of what was going on. The, the government knows. You, I bet you, you go and check it out and you'll find out that the PPSN system is well aware of every individual infant. The information, that, what's going on here now is we have a government which with one hand or arm is investigating itself, as in the Commission of Investigation, and yet that's not an independent commission, it's under the control of the Department of Cabinet and the government. And yet with the other arm, through the HSE and Department of Health, it's blocking that same commission from access to documents, only handing over some documents in the last few months. So this is a multi-armed hydra, which is running a fast con game on everybody, as I say, investigating itself with one arm half-heartedly and then blocking those very investigations. Who's tackling the HSE? over handing over documents, who's tackling the nuns over where the babies are. Where's the teeth in this, Nile? And also the, and also, county councillors who would be still alive, many of them still alive, who worked in and around the areas at the time and would be aware of what went on. In your opinion, I mean, we spoke to Paul there a few minutes ago, Paul Redmond. These children and these babies, many of them, by the way, didn't weren't full term as well. Some of them, uh, you know, had been maybe miscarried or stillbirth as well. But many of these children, how do you believe they died, Fintan? Because... For the listeners out there who don't have an understanding of the gravity of this situation, who may not have even been born in around that time, uh, you know, you had young mothers who were fast-tracked into these homes because of the stigma attached to being pregnant out of wedlock. And their families or themselves, uh, they would have been dragged in here by parish priests. They had their little babies. And these babies were kept there anywhere, in my case, 18 months. They could have been kept there, depending on when they could find someone to take them. So what happened to these children that died? Was it malnutrition? Were they not looked after? Were they giving bad medical care? What do you believe the crux of the problem was here? It goes into the institutional mindset, the fascist mindset, the genocidal mindset, the fact that concentration camps across Europe were mirrored by our own version here. And it echoes what happened, as you probably know, following radio, that Liveline has been burned down for two weeks with women calling in about the horrors they were subjected to by the institutionalized mindset they found in Irish hospitals. So what happened to these infants now? Imagine that happening, not just to the isolated woman who, oh, I know. Under, I, I, under, I mean, Finch and I had women on when we spoke about Tume the last time. I had women on crying yeah. their eyes out on the radio. I said, their babies were yeah. taken from them, taken from them. Yeah, and babies were neglected, women were neglected, they died of neglect, they died of institutionalized indifference, they died of everything that we still hear going on in our attitudes to women within institutions, except on steroids. And these were criminal matters now which should be investigated. You see, back when Tune broke, the Tune Babies Family Group and uh, Tune Home Survivors Network have drawn our attention to the fact that these are criminal matters. 
and a Corrigan report. Well, they would be. I mean, if it happened now, I mean, if a baby was allowed to die of neglect, an obvious neglect, or not giving medical care that it basically needed by Tusla, for example, or in the care of the state, they would be. There would be criminal, uh, obviously, repercussions to that. Yeah, and Anna Gorman, who is a survivor of Besbrook, recently went to Cork Garda Station and reported serious anomalies in birth and death and other certificates and other records from Besborough for her daughter Evelyn. She's now uncertain whether she died or lived. She was told she had died. Gardaí and what was the response of the Gardaí? Investigating. They're, they're well, investigating. Gardaí are currently investigating that matter. But what I would like to see is that Gardaí have been properly resourced. And I'd like to see us abandon this Commission of Investigations track. These are criminal matters. They're matters for the coroners in these various jurisdictions to investigate anomalies in death records or medical certifications of death. And, and, and who, who do you believe, Fintan, Not I don't want you to name names, but who do you believe should be held to account? Is it county councillors? Is it the religious orders? Uh, many of whom, or most of them, are probably dead at this stage. Uh, but who do you believe should be held to account for this? The state? Well, if you take a broad scope, and I think the broadest legislation we can apply to this will be the genocide legislation. Therefore, you would hold to account all those institutional systems and individuals who have played key roles in what happened in Ireland. And who but sure, everybody was involved. It was systematic. Everybody was involved. I remember talking to somebody. Who, he, he knew a guard who worked across the road from St. Patrick's home. And he went, seemingly this guard, went to his superior office and said, look, I think something dodgy is going on over there. And he says, Asher, look, leave them to it. They know what they're doing. In other words, every, the, 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 I suppose, ignoring the problem, uh, you know, from Angarda Sheikhan at the time, uh, the state paying to have women put in there to have their babies, uh, the religious orders abusing them while they were in there. Should, everybody was in on it. I agree. But, you know, when genocide breaks out, everybody is in on it. And that still doesn't let us off the hook. We still have to give proper recognition of the injustices and crimes committed to women and infants in this state. Mm-hmm. They are due their right acknowledgement of their justice needs. How we pursue that and who we prosecute for it is a matter for consideration by the DPP, who is the prosecuting authority here in Ireland. But so far, we've heard lots of inquiry, 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 and no talk of culpability, no talk even of assessing where culpability would lie. We have had a ham-fisted and very restricted inquiry into a narrow set of circumstances when what we needed was a national examination, a truthful one, and one with teeth into our ability to commit genocide on our own women. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Fintan Dunn, who's a spokesperson for the Irish First Mothers. Uh, thank you very much, Neva, for coming on the air today, and I appreciate it. Uh, all right, uh, lots and lots of people listening, but somebody says, by the way, Niall, I'm physically sick listening to the excerpts of that report. It, it is. It's sickening. I mean, to think that that many children died unnecessarily, were taken from their mothers. Mothers probably kicked out of the home. Imagine the situation, and you're a young girl, and not all young, by the way. Some of them were probably in their 20s and 30s. My mother was actually, uh, my biological mother would have been, I think she was 29 when she went in there. And they went in there, they had these babies, and while they were pregnant, they were worked to the bone. Uh, they were sent off to churches to clean them. They were scrubbing the floors. They were doing the laundry, doing whatever needed to be done and not being paid for it either, by the way, can I point out. They would get food, obviously, but they wouldn't be paid for it and only the bare minimum of food. Um, these children were then born. Um, they were taken off them. They had no responsibility or they weren't given responsibility for their own children apart from maybe breastfeeding them to save money. And uh, sometimes the mothers would be kicked out. Uh, the babies could taken off them if they, al- if they already had a buyer for the baby. Because let's be clear, money changed hands. 
this idea that they were given away for free is nonsense. There was donations looked for, particularly for rich Americans who wanted some of these babies. These were baby factories. The baby became unwell. It wasn't viable financially to make the baby better. So the baby would be allowed to die wouldn't be given the medical care it needed in most cases. In some cases they were, but in most cases they weren't. And the baby would die, would be wrapped up, brought downstairs into a basement where this waste sewage they describe in this uh, particular report, and just dumped. And that was the end of it. Those mothers, some of those mothers didn't even know where the baby went. It was absolutely disgusting. It's physically sickening. And there's a whole group of people involved in this, some of whom are still alive and knew what was going on. And it's easy to turn around and say, oh, sure, look, that was the times it was. That is not acceptable at any time. Because as Vinton rightly said, the Catholic Church, the Bon Secure Nuns, and the state who passed on the responsibility, who closed their eyes and pretended nothing was going on, are all responsible for genocide. I'm just reading some of the report here again, right? And some of this is just absolute. Who are the gobshites responsible for this report? Uh, There is no information available about the involvement of mothers in decisions about the burial of the child. It seems likely uh, that the mothers would have have asked about the burial arrangements. It is not known if they were told or if they were involved in any way. So let me just read the last line of uh, of these people who are writing these reports, okay? It seems likely that the mothers would have been asked about the burial arrangements, but it's not known if they were told or if they were involved in any way. So one sentence completely contradicts the other. In other words, they don't actually know. And most likely the mothers weren't involved. And most likely they didn't know what happened to their babies. And most likely what happened was they were sent out to work, they came back and their baby was gone. Or most likely the baby was taken away from them when the baby was sick. And it never was returned to them. Because what happened, the baby was di- died, was wrapped up and dumped somewhere. What a disgusting country we were at the time. Uh, Ruth, you're in Classic Kids. How you doing, Ruth? Hi, Nile. I think. Good, Ruth. I, I mean, swear, my bladder is behind my eyeballs now. I swear to God, I've never heard anything so disgusting in my life. It's, it's, I, I don't even know what to say. It's absolutely fine. Those nuns, the government, everyone has to blame. Every single person is to blame for this. If it was any other country in the world, if it was Uganda, it was Syria, if it was anywhere in the world this happened, you'd have UN in there, you'd have all of them in there. This is genocide. And, like, I class myself as a Christian person, I say my prayers three times a day, I'm a very Christian person, but I have no belief in the Catholic Church, and I think it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, somebody says here, for example, genocide. He's giving me the definition like I'm stupid and uneducated. He says genocide is the deliberate killing of a large... Uh, well, he, he goes, well, 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 let me read this. He says, he says in his text, genocide is the deliberate killing of a large group of people, especially those uh, of other nations or ethnic groups. The story is bad enough without you hyping it up with language. Uh, listen, you absolute nutter plonker. I don't have to hype up anything. This don't story mean? is disgusting. No, not you. This person who <laughs> texts in, by the way, Ruth, sorry. Um, and this, as far as I'm concerned, is genocide. Sorry, Ruth, go ahead. Continue what you want to say. No, how I make it out to be like that is the fact. How can you take 900 innocent children, babies, away from children, by the way, because these mothers were only children themselves. Do you know, none of them were in their 40s. They were children themselves. The majority would have been young, young girls, yeah, 18, girls, 19 years of age. Yeah, yeah. even younger, I'd say, 15, 16, 17, mm. 18, whatever. Children in their own cells. They were they helped us, you know. Locked them up in a so-called prison for the fact that they had sex and had, you know, got impregnated. 
outside okay? outside of wedlock. Outside of wedlock, I mean, really, bite the back of you know. Yeah. And then lock them up and take away. God help us, more. Some babies may have just died naturally. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But we don't know the truth. No one knows the truth. It's been so long that we don't know what happened to those babies. Well, we, we, well, we do know. Well, we do know, Ruth, from anecdotal reports from women and, and detailed reports from women in relation to our previous text, who doesn't believe it's genocide, um, that they were deliberately killed in some sense. In other oh, words, they were allowed. They were allowed to die. They weren't given the medical care, basic medical care. They weren't <laughs> fed properly. They weren't looked after properly by the nuns uh, in these particular occasions because sometimes it suited them because they didn't have enough people to take them. So it didn't matter to them. They, it, they were just factories. So can I, can I ask you a question? Yep. And your opinion? Mm-hmm. If that happened in any other country, what do you think would happen? Well, if the- we were sitting back watching Sky News and found out that 900 bodies, baby bodies... Well, well, bodies, well, well, well altogether it's probably over 6,500, but go on. Well, 6,500, right? Yep. What do you think would have happened if it was any other country now? Say, say in Africa or Asia, if we found out that happened in any other country in the world, what do you think would happen? I, I would say I would want people to go to jail for it. Thank you. And I exactly I risk my case. I think the government, the Catholic Church, I don't care who they are, I don't, I'm not interested in priests or nuns, whatever they are, Catholic Church, the government, the council, if you want, every single person that knew that was going on, they, every one of them should be held accountable, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's the most disgusting thing. I'm telling you, my bladder's behind my eyeballs. Behind my eyeballs. Okay, well, hang on a second. Let me go to Charlotte as well. Charlotte, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Charlotte? Hi, Niall. How are you? Uh, you, were, um, you were in an orphanage in Kilkenny. I was, yeah, I was. And actually, just back to the tune babies for a second. Um, every morning on my Facebook page, I name a tune baby and the day they died and the reason why they died. Because I just think... It's, they deserve that, mm-hmm. you know, at least. The recognition, you know, so yes. Yeah, yeah, just to do something small for them, you know. But um, I also think, I think, like the orphanage that I was in, in Kilkenny, St. Joseph, um, that has been turned into um, a village campus now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm. And it, ha- it was never excavated. And, you know, there's several places around the orphanage where babies could be buried, you know. And also, the last time I was up there, um, I got a bit of a tip-off about another place. It's a boys' home, St. Patrick's in Kilkenny. And if you go right through the back of the orphanage, um, there's, there's a mass grave there, Nile, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see it, mm-hmm. you know. And I've emailed Catherine Zabone about it twice, and I didn't get any reply. But, um, but I, thought the commission, I thought the commission were looking for people to come forward with information. Well, I, I emailed twice. And, you know, because I sent photos and everything because new headstones have been erected recently, but there's no dates or... And did nobody contact you? Nobody contacted me. That seems bizarre, um, considering that they're, they're constantly going on about asking shocking, people to contact them. Shocking. And I sat there at that grave. It's a good 10-minute walk behind the original boy's home. Um, and it's just, it, it's shocking to sit there and think what happened to those little boys, you know. They were moved from St. Joseph's, where I was. I think when they turned four, they were sent to this place. Mm-hmm. So um, they weren't really babies that were buried there. They would have been four plus, yeah. you know. But um, no dates, no ages, just 
all thrown into this. It's disgusting, hole. isn't it? Even it's, the thoughts of it. It's even. heartbreaking, you know. Yeah. God, what what they went through, you know, what abuse, physical, sexual, mental. We don't know. You well, know, neglected. They were neglected. It's horrible. Like even today, the the baby that I put up this morning on my page, um, I think her name was Nora McCain. Um, she died in 1937 and she was only like six weeks old and she died, she had bronchitis for two days and convulsions for two hours and that's on her death cert. So how could that happen? How can a baby die of bronchitis for two days? It, it sounds like she was left in her little cot to fester and then got no, probably got pneumonia. Probably and, yeah. Because of fever or whatever, you know. Mm. It's just heartbreaking how those babies were treated and their mothers. It says, please ask now to stress that St. Patrick's Infant Hospital was not a mother and baby home. Um, it was an infant hospital for babies for adoption and they were cared for by us nurses who loved each one in- unconditionally. And they got the best care medically and dietary and oh God, uh, we cared for each baby as they were our own. Uh, St. Patrick's. Oh, so that was actually sent in by Laura, who was actually on the line. I do apologise. Sorry, Laura, are you there? Yeah, I was just listening to the report and to your show there a while ago. And like the other lady, I just actually feel physically sick at what went on. And I live in Galway, and to think that that went on some miles just outside Galway. And to hear that saying that, you know, the council must have known. And it's actually heartbreaking. And then I heard about Vesper House and then St. Patrick's on the Navin Road. And I I just wanted to stress, because there's a lot of adoptees out there that don't know much about where they were adopted from, and I wanted to stress that there was a difference, that there was St. Patrick's on the Navin Road, which was a mother and baby home, and then there was where I was nursing, which was St. Patrick's Infant Hospital in Black Rock in Dublin, and that was just for babies. Mm-hmm. And those babies, it was like a little five-star hotel. We loved those babies so much with all our hearts, we still have nurses' reunions. We cared for them so well. They had the best clothes. Their mothers could come and visit them if they wished, and we brought them down to meet them in their little blankets and baby grow. And medically, we had a nurse calling in three times a week for a few hours, checking every single baby, and she was also on call. And I just wanted to stress, I suppose, the difference between the baby in the, in the care those babies were given and the care the they were care. given in the Navin Road. Yes, and yeah. I wanted to, you know, make sure that all adoptees out there knew there was two St. Patrick's, but one was a mother and baby home, the other was just the infant's home, and they were babies for adoption. Mm-hmm. But we treated them and we loved them like our own, and we cried a tear every time one was adopted because they were adopted from six weeks up, because we loved them. We had photographs of them. We had a reunion there recently, and every nurse at that reunion, 45 nurses, still had the photographs they took 35 years ago. And what year was that you were working there? When, when, when was that? What year would that have been? Well, I was there from uh, 1977 to 85. Mm-hmm. But there were others there, like um, one of the other admins of the group, Kathy Garton, I think you spoke to Kathy before. She was there 74 to 76. I do actually remember speaking to her going back yes. about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I do and remember. And there's an, a lady that nursed there that comes to the reunions because she loved it so much and she was there in 1968. 
All right, well, look, I, I, I'm glad you come on just to establish that because there are many people who may have been adopted out from St. Patrick's Infant Hospital in Black Rock, which was very different to the uh, the home that was run up on the Navin Road, the St. Patrick's home on the Navin Road. Let me go to Luke as well, finally, if I can, because Luke, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Luke? How are you, Niall? How are things? Good. Luke, I mean, uh, are you shocked by this report or is, I suppose, there's nothing really that you didn't know about, really, I suppose, in some sense? Yeah, exactly. It's it's very much, I mean, they could have just copied and pasted the last report, to be honest. I didn't feel there was much new in this one. No. Um, and what I was disappointed with as well, Niall, is, you know, I got a letter from the minister on the 8th of March this year where she promised me that um, the survivors and their families would be notified in advance of the report getting to the media. Yeah. I woke up this morning, Niall, and I just had, like, you know, a handful of text messages from journalists on my phone and I checked my emails. I had got no email from the department or the commission um, in advance of the report. So, again, I learned of it through the media. And I just felt that was a little bit hurtful, you know, for particularly for survivors. I'm just a relative of survivors. But, like, my relative is in her 80s and she lives in England. Has she to get this report through the media? Um, that would be quite shocking, wouldn't it? If yeah, the first and oftentimes it can be a, a twisted version, you know, through the media. That was almost acknowledged in today's report as well. It was clearing up misinformation. I don't know if you saw that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, oftentimes the report is filtered down, you know, Chinese whispers, and that's what arrives at the door of this elderly woman who gave birth there. Um, and how does it, when, when you look back and you think about Tum and all those babies that were buried there, many of them unnecessarily, mm-hmm. look, there are babies who died of natural causes, there's no doubt about that, but many of them didn't need to die, and Bespera, and everywhere else. How do you, when you read that report, how does it make you feel? I mean, is, well, there are people out there saying, oh, sure, look, that's the way it was in those days, and sure, look, you know, sure, it wasn't genocide. I absolutely believe it was, because we were culpable as a state, a religious order, everything. We were culpable in allowing children to die. Mm, I, and I, no, I noticed that you used the phrase there, you believe it was. I don't know what to believe. I mean, I assume abuse took place in these institutions. I have a strong suspicion that that happened. But the purpose of the, of the Commission of Investigation surely should be to establish that. And the direction that was given by Minister Zappone to the Commission, did not, she did not ask them to look into that. It, but it the, but it's not just an assumption, focus. Luke. It's not just an assumption that abuse took place. When we, if we class abuse as the neglect of children who are allowed to die... And we look at the mortality rates in these homes and the amount of children that died, which is way above the average for the population at the time. Clearly, they were, yeah, clearly they were allowed to die. Yeah, clearly there were issues, but should the Commission of Investigation not be seeking to establish these issues? I mean, you can't talk about comp- um, compensation based on assumptions if survivors want compensation, which isn't the priority on the list, but I think they deserve compensation. Therefore, I think the Commission of Investigation needs to produce a report which states how the babies died. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.